This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone because individually we're great, but together we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian software. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. 18 years from tonight, Grant Gill will become a comedy legend when he totally kills it at his improv class's graduation performance. Knees will be slapped. Hilarity will ensue. That's why he's already keeping himself in shape and razor sharp today with wellness tips and tools from AARP to help make sure his health lives as long as he does. Because the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash healthy living. This episode is brought to you by Smart Food Popcorn. Some decisions aren't the best, like skipping ahead in your favorite podcast. Think of all the banter you'll miss, the lore in the making. Luckily, Smart Food Popcorn is a no-brainer. Deliciously tasty and available in a variety of fun flavors. It's a smart decision every time. Smart Food. Add smart. To learn more, visit smartfood.com. Hello, I'm Oliver Condit, the editor of BBC Music Magazine, and welcome to the BBC Music Podcast. You can buy a copy of the magazine at your local newsagents or download our app to your iPad, Kindle Fire or Android tablet. And for the latest music news and more, head to our website at classical-music.com. In this week's podcast, Reviews editor Rebecca Franks joins me in the studio to talk about the Christmas issues recording of the month. And this time it's a recording of Elgar's The Dream of Gerontius and his Sea Pictures with Sarah Connolly, Stuart Skelton and David Sawyer with the BBC Symphony Chorus and BBC Symphony Orchestra under Sir Andrew Davis. And that's a super audio CD, an SACD on the Shandos label. Um, first thing, Rebecca, I think, is it's a fascinating uh, pairing of works. You don't often see the Sea Pictures and the dream of Grontius together and I think it makes a really sort of interesting um, look at, at, at Elgar's sort of contrasting styles and maybe developing styles. It does indeed. I mean the the dream of Grontius is sort of the, the focus in a way but the sea pictures is this lovely, really lovely orchestral um, song cycle actually written just uh, in, in 1899 so just after the success of the Enigma variations that really put him on the orchestral work that really put him on the map and was hugely popular and just before he started writing Gerontius um, I guess there are reasons they you know they probably decided to do Gerontius first he had to find something to go with it they had Sarah Connolly a wonderful mezzo-soprano who was the ideal person to you know sort of makes a natural pairing in a way but it mm. it is a, a very interesting it doesn't it, they sort of complement each other very well, I think. I think we'll hear the opening of the sea pictures before we talk about them a bit more. So we'll first hear Sea Slumber Song. Mm-hmm. 
that was the slumber song from the Sea Pictures. What I found, actually, that the melodies and textures and the treatment of it was quite old-fashioned. It's sort of Elgar, really in, in, in Victorian mode. And I found Gerontius very much sort of more forward-looking. Yeah, I mean, in Gerontius, you sort of feel... Well, you still feel the influence of Wagner, but you also really feel the influence, you know, the... the the sense that Elgar has found his voice, that this is really something heartfelt and the music is sort of pouring out and he's complete, in complete control of what he, what he wants to do and he, what, what he wants the music to do and how he wants the music and the text to interact. Yes, I mean, the sea pictures are fantastic and, and really very beautiful, but uh, you really feel that Elgar has found his melodic voice, his textural voice. I mean, these are all the, his favourite forces put together, a chorus, full orchestra, organ you know, in, in, in a setting for the uh, for the Birmingham Triennial Festival? I think, in a way, the, the kind of a demonstration of just what he's doing here, it really just comes in, in the opening prelude, actually, because it starts off so quietly and, and not in a sort of impressive way at all. You sort of, you're just sort of starting to tune in as a listener. And it just kind of, almost without you realising it, builds and builds and builds. And suddenly about four minutes, four and a half minutes in, it's this sort of massive climax and you just feel completely transformed as a listener and sort of prepared for the journey to come. So that was an extract from the opening uh, prelude to the dream of um, Grontius. And we, I mean, the, the playing and the singing is, is extraordinary, really. And, and, and it really is put into sharp focus by the recording, the SACD. I mean, it's, it's an overwhelming experience, I think. I, completely. Overwhelming is exactly the word. I, it's sort of, that's exactly how I felt as well when I first heard it. Um, this is music that, you know, Andrew Davis has such a kind of innate and intelligent understanding of, and he's just so capable of bringing out its um, subtleties and, and power. Um, and he's got this fantastic trio of soloists, Stuart Skelton um, as, as Gerontius. So, and as our reviewer points out, you know, he's sung Grimes, he's sung in Parsifal, so he, but he also has the sensitivity and, and vulnerability that this needs. And, and what, uh, you know, according to sort of, sort of sources from the time, what Elgar, the kind of voice that Elgar talked about, the kind of voice that he wanted... Um, and we've got David Soar as the, as the bass, so he's singing the, the priest and the angel of agony. And again, that's a tricky part because it sort of lies in two different registers, but he has a voice that can encompass both of those. Mm. And, and Sarah Connolly, um, uh, who actually, there was a lovely quote too when I was asking Andrew Davis about this. We've spoken to him for the magazine. He just said, well, she's a great and subtle, highly intelligent and highly imaginative singer with a beautiful voice. You know what more can you what more can you ask for? <laughs> Absolutely, and and I have to say, hats off to the chorus. Really, um, a vast chorus, and usually it's quite sort of bedraggled. I think sometimes, and and, and the tuning and and the the unison singing is extraordinary, and I love that. That um, that prayerfulness right at the start of the um, the opening. Well, it's, it's in the first sort of five ten minutes when they're singing the Kyrie Eleison, and you get the atonement of the plain chant. Um, that, I think. That, shall we hear that extract? Mm-hmm. 
So that was an extract from part one of uh, The Dream of Gontius, or Gerontius, depending on how you want to say it, really. Um, the interesting thing is, uh, Elgar, I think, post-premiere, was quite depressed, and I don't think recognised the success that it was in Britain. I think marked it down as a bit of a failure. Well, by all accounts, I mean, the premiere was a bit of a failure, really. It was... Um it took place in Birmingham Town Hall in, in 1900 and I think the piece was very difficult for the singers and Hans Richter, the conductor, didn't receive a copy that early on. You know, it was, it's a big work, it's a difficult work to, to get to grips with, I imagine, for, for performers at the time. Um, and it just didn't really go down, very, didn't go down very well. And yes, I think Elgar, he really, he said, this is, he, you know, he quoted John Ruskin and said, this is the best of me. And he said, you know, he sort of really had, poured his soul into this this work mm. um so i guess then you sort of recoil from that don't you if it's then that's rejected he probably felt really very sad about it mm. but what i did think was interesting was then it did find some well quite a lot of success in germany actually it was performed in dusseldorf and actually richard strauss heard it um he's meant to have said i drink to the success and welfare welfare of the first english progressive musician meister elgar so he was a huge fan of it and elgar was a fan of strauss as well so i think it then started to you know who could sort of realise the worth of this piece. Mm. And I think what Strauss would have latched onto was the terrific orchestration. I mean, Elgar's sense of drama and sense of textures is really absolutely at, a, at his apogee in, 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 in the dream of Grantius, I think. Yes, yeah, I mean, this is fantastic writing. I mean, just to return for a second to, again, the problems in, in England, I guess because it was setting a Catholic text, this poem by Cardinal John Henry Newman, that actually did cause quite a lot of problems for it, you know. Mm. Um, well, the idea of a, a soul being in purgatory, you know. I mean, the, the whole tale, I think, revolves around Gerontius dying on his deathbed, um, you know, praying that he's going to meet his maker, and then when yeah. he does die, the idea that he's, you know, communicating with an angel in purgatory, not not being received for judgment yet. Yeah. Um, very much a very brave, I think, profession of a Catholic faith, very much in the minority in Britain at the time. Yes, and I think it's interesting because we often, I mean... The, don't want to exaggerate too much, but this image of the sort of pomp and circumstance Elgar. Um, sort of very Anglican. But yeah, somehow it is, isn't it? And you mm. sort of, and also you forget this kind of the, I guess, the introspection of it and um, the importance at, at that time, any at least, of, of his Catholic faith. Mm. Uh, sort of definitely sort of fleshes out the image that we have of Elgar. And especially when the other orator, oratorios you consider the kingdom and the apostles, you know, several extracts of which are used in anthems in cathedrals up and down the land, you know, this is a, a composer who's very much brought and embraced into the Anglican tradition and yet was a was very much Roman Catholic. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's just another interesting aspect of this piece. I think one of the beautiful moments um, comes at the end of Grontius, and I think we should hear it, is the Angel's, Angel's Farewell, Farewell, which yes. is, um, as, <laughs> as, as I think Andrew Davis says in the interview you did with him, you know, it is a, um, a very difficult piece to pull off, and, and it can sound lugubrious, it can sound very uh, off the cuff and, and a bit sort of um, twee. But, twee, yeah. But I, but I think it's so beautifully judged here, tempos, um, balance, everything, and I think it would be a wonderful way to, to end
So that was uh, an extract from The Angel's Farewell from this wonderful recording of Elgar's Dream of Grontius, uh, performed by uh, Sarah Connolly, Stuart Skelton, David Saw as soloists, and the BBC Symphony Chorus and Symphony Orchestra under Sir Andrew Davis, and that's on the Shandos label. And that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Do join us next month when we'll be discussing the January 2015 issues recording of the month. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to this BBC Music Magazine podcast, which was produced in our Bristol studio by Jack Fletcher. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at classical-music.com or simply head to iTunes.